passed down. So that's yeah. why intergenerational trauma is real. And yeah. that's so I'm like, if intergenerational trauma is real and so prevalent, why don't we create some intergenerational healing? Why, why don't we create some intergenerational empowerment? Why don't we create some intergenerational confidence? Why don't we create some intergenerational awakening? So that's why I'm literally setting out to work with people who are also purpose driven, even if they're not even sure what that purpose is right now, but they're feeling called to something bigger. Yes. And especially women of color. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 14 of the Power of Why podcast. My name is Naomi Haile, and today I am joined by my incredible friend, Yuha Haddad. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me, Naomi. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm super pumped to talk to you. I mean, we've already had like a 20 minute conversation before hitting record. Because <laughs> <laughs> get carried away. Oh, and, like, it always happens like that. We're like, we should have been recording this. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to introduce you for a bit, and then I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your origin story, and then we'll dive right in. Does that sound good? Awesome. Let's do it. Okay. So Duha was born in Tunisia. She was raised in Canada. You know, she spent a year in Jersey some time ago, and now you live in Ottawa. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds next <laughs> for you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duha is a social worker turned social entrepreneur, a mom of two beautiful little girls, and you're married to your best friend. You are passionate about empowering racialized women to fulfill key leadership roles in all domains. So Duha is currently phasing out an eight-year social work career and is being called to coaching full-time. She's worked with you know, hundreds of people over the years through various life circumstances around trauma, breakthroughs, soul growth, business growth, and not surprisingly has been a certified life coach practitioner for the past six years now and an entrepreneur for about one. So using her coaching business, Duha helps other women unlock their confidence to become emotionally intelligent leaders so they may achieve their world impact with power and posture. Duha, you're an artist, you love to dance, you are determined uh, to do stand-up in the near future, which I need to be invited to, (laughs) and you know what I love most, (laughs) stay tuned, (laughs) and what I love most about our friendship is how we can, you know, just be completely honest, talk about um, Mm -hmm. gratitude, talk about growth, manifestation, our vision, and our dreams, Mm -hmm. and you know, more importantly, how we're actually, you know, bringing that to fruition. And I constantly learned from you and your incredible energy. So I really, absolutely. I'm so happy that we, you know, it's been since August, right? That we met. So it's been crazy. That's been like less than a year, less than a year, but and I just feel like you've, you've already become such a key person in my life. Like when I think about the empowered and powerful and inspiring women that surround me, I'm just like, yeah, Naomi, you're right up there. And Like, thank you for always having held that space. Like from the first conversations we've had, we just, we go deep right away. And I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, <laughs> how did we get here? But I love it. So thank you. Um, I definitely, in our first interaction, felt a connection. And I'm super happy that we followed up with each other and actually kept mm-hmm. the conversation going. So um, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time. Um, My pleasure. And really, thank really you for well- also Thank you for also <clears throat> liking coffee. I feel like that was a common point of contact for us. I like coffee shops. I really love vibes of coffee shops. Yeah. And uh, yeah, many conversations with you. So I'd really love for you to talk about like your origin story. And if there's anything in that bio that I, that I missed, but was really important to you, I'd love for you to talk about it and then we can dive right in. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you covered like the, the big themes in it. Uh, but uh yeah, basically, some of the key things that I feel have led me to where I am today is uh, being a second generation immigrant, having become a mom at a young age, having had a social work career, having worked in different social situations, like I just realized that the way I relate to the world was unique, and that I had to do something with it. And so what when I finally started allowing myself to believe in my ability to connect with other people deeply on a deep empathic level, Mm -hmm. that's when I started meeting and attracting people like you and other amazing people in my life right now. So 
um, I'm grateful to to have this opportunity to sit down and chat with you and share all that you have to offer with everybody. No, oh, thank you, thank you, Duha. Um, you know, I remember. So this is the second t- for everyone listening. Uh, this is the second time that we recorded uh, Duha's episode. Um, the first, it was a remarkable first episode. So I still have <laughs> that on record, and I'm going to keep that dear to me. Um, but you know, so there has been a lot of shifts in Duha's business. And we wanted to uh, re-record and publish like an updated, um, an updated version of what's what's been going on with her. And I, th- you know, I think there's a lot to be learned around um, some of the transitions that you've made recently. And one thing that I'd really love to start on was this conversation about identity. And I know before you've started making kind of these shifts. Um, you struggled with identity and the different titles that you had. And you had one story that you shared with me, um, you know, around like being a mother and what that meant or what society perceived that word to mean and and how you didn't really resonate with that, but kind of defined motherhood in your own way. So can you talk a little bit about identity and how you've navigated that word um, through your life? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, like already when my family immigrated to Canada, I was a baby when we came from Tunisia. And already I realized that like, okay, I had a kind of, I had a unique identity among the majority of the kids around me because when we lived in Montreal at the time, French was already my second language. My family uh, had different religious views. My family had a different language. My family had different practices, different traditions, different beliefs from, our, from everybody else that I was surrounded around. So already at a young age, I started developing a sense of identity of like, okay, I'm kind of different from whoever's around me. But um, I would say it wasn't until like late into my 20s that I finally started developing a sense of identity that wasn't, that wasn't dichotomous, basically, that wasn't based on what I am not, according to the people around me. Mm -hmm. So to explain that, like I... For example, before I was always like, oh, I guess I'm a visible minority because I don't match the majority. I guess I am a religious minority because I don't practice what the majority does. Mm -hmm. I guess I am a woman of color because the majority of women here are white. I guess Uh I am, you know, a a young mom because the majority of moms are into their 30s in North America. And so... uh, I realized that that was such a limiting way of identifying myself, just placing labels on me based on like using the, the, the bar of measure of what other people around me looked like, sounded like, lived mm-hmm. like. Yeah. And so finally I started just relating to myself through, okay, what is, what is inside of me inside? What are the things that make me unique in terms of my soul's purpose in terms of my way of relating to the world and not of the world relating to me and I say I would say that was like the biggest shift in my way of approaching my own identity Mm -hmm. and how did you find like when you started making those shifts was it immediate that you started attracting these people who are kind of like on the same wavelength or did it take some time where people were like, what are you talking about, Duha? Like, I don't feel like I connect with you anymore. Mm. Cause I definitely went through that phase too. So I'd love for you to talk. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely took time. Like there was this awkward space in between um, my, you could say old way of relating to the world mm-hmm. from the outside in to like, this current way that I relate to the world more from the inside out and so there was this huge gap in between it that was like filled with I would say confusion loneliness questioning and just an overall feeling of feeling kind of lost (laughs) and so this is just like to remind everybody that like it's okay to feel like that at times because that's when you know that like you're on that bridge to a next to the next level right and so I would say that like once I started looking more outwardly, looking more inwardly, just trying to figure out like w- what feels misaligned. Like I've, I've got this great career. I've got a great husband. I've got beautiful kids. Like we have a very privileged life. Like what is, why do I feel disconnected? Like why don't I feel rooted into my existence, into the world? And so 
I started then disconnecting first before I started building healthy connection. So I started kind of uh, weaning myself off of those friendships that felt really superficial and that I felt like it was daunting. Like it felt like a chore to keep up small talk and conversations. So I started, you know, just weaning myself off of those friendships. I started um, being more selective about the people I spent time with, even family members. Mm-hmm. based on what brought out the best in me and just developing a lot more self-awareness around what environments brought out what within me. So that was kind of my first step. And then just starting to wean myself off the ones that were not so healthy. And that's when you realize that like, oh, look, most of my social circle, most of the people at work, most of the things I associate with are pretty <laughs> negative or like just are not serving me. Not to yeah. judge what they are, but yeah. just realizing that these things are not serving me. These things are not supporting my highest self. They're not supporting me showing up as my best self. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would say it started more with like cutting ties, you know, just trimming everything before I started rebuilding. rebuilding. And there was at least like, I'd say a year and a half before I started establishing these meaningful connections. Mm-hmm. And so before you started trimming or disconnecting from um, those energy sources, what you said, were, do you, were you feeling frustrated? Were you feeling kind of like, I'm trying to understand what that internal feeling was. Mm. Honestly, I was, I was depressed. Okay. full out like full disclosure I was just I was depressed and I was anxious like I was suffering anxious. from both yeah and it literally got to a point where uh just my health was struggling my energy levels were zapped I had no inspiration things that were supposed to be very regular in life just felt yeah. daunting mm-hmm. and so every time I visited the family like doctor, leaving the house just like yeah example. like like trying to leave the house getting yeah. myself to go to work yeah. If my kids like woke up in the middle of the night, I literally felt like crying. Like I felt so mm. frustrated. I felt like a victim of my circumstance. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that this is not the way it's supposed to feel. Like I mm-hmm. shouldn't feel like I'm a victim of my motherhood or I'm a victim of my job or a victim of my relationship. Right. So the common denominator in all of these is me. And that was kind of a depressing realization in the beginning because I didn't realize the power that I had in that. Interesting. So, um, yeah, I uh, just took a, initially took a few months off of work as prescribed by my doctor. And then it was literally just when I put work on pause, when I put social interactions on pause, and I literally just started spending time with myself. And at first, that was scary. Mm-hmm. It was super scary. I was like, what the hell do I do with myself? What do I do with my time? What do I do with my words? What do I, like, who am I if I'm not? around other people right and and so that's when I finally started listening to myself that's when I finally created space for myself um literally my focus for those few months was just to remember what were the things that make me happy what are the things that make me feel really alive what are the things that make me inspired what are the things that make me happy to be here and that make me excited for the rest of my life and fulfilled right Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so would you write these things down, Duha? Because I'm, I'm curious. Um, I was listening to um, an interview with Tim Ferriss. I love Tim Ferriss. Mm-hmm. And one of his guests, Jim Collins, would have this book that he would call a bug book. And he would document his days. And he would keep – he would score his days, essentially. Um, and he would – outline like if it was a negative day for example or he didn't feel that great he would outline Mm -hmm. some of the things that happened that may have made him you know feel that way and when his days went well like he would do this every day right and over time Mm -hmm. he started to notice patterns around what were the things that had to happen in all my days where I felt great or I felt fulfilled. Um, and he would start to kind of like re-engineer that into intentionally Mm. put those into his days. Right. Um, but that takes a lot of self-awareness and being able to recognize and kind of like pinpoint Mm -hmm. you and what you need. Right. Yeah. So would you write these things down or would you just take time to be with yourself or both? Yeah. Um, I would do both. I wasn't nearly as organized 
as he was in his uh, <laughs> execution of it. Like it was not like a daily habit at the time because I think had I had instilled those daily habits, disciplines and routines for my own self, I probably would have been in a better place. But it was pretty sporadic at the time. And usually I didn't sit down and journal until I was like, if until I was in a place that felt pretty close to rock bottom, like okay. where I just felt like I couldn't pull inspiration from anywhere. So I'm like, okay, let me just try to put this on paper and see if something comes out of it. Interesting. And um, so I did have like an intentional moment of clarity. I would say the day that I left my job. So the day that I left my uh my job in the child protection, I just went down to a coffee. Sh- I went to a coffee shop, sat there by myself. Like I was so tempted to just text a friend and be like, Hey, who wants to come for coffee with me? And I'm like, just stop for a moment and be yeah. alone. Yeah. I just went in there with my journal and I wrote down three questions to myself. What does my mind need? What does my heart need? And what does my body need? Because I, I had enough self-awareness to know that I was neglecting those three things. Yeah, which is why I was not feeling fulfilled, which is why I felt depleted. And so from there, I started gaining some clarity around like, okay, clearly, my mind needs a lot more stimulation. Clearly, my mind loves connecting intellectually with other people, with knowledge, with books, with articles, with everything. And I wasn't giving myself the opportunity to do that. My heart needed a lot more deep soulful connection, and a lot more passionate connections which I wasn't allowing myself to have in my social work career because it wasn't the space for that it wasn't appropriate to develop those types of relationships in in that sphere yeah and what my body needed like I knew that I was not being healthy I was not working out whatsoever I was not intentional about what I ate I was always on the go and like my body came last Mm -hmm. so it was pretty obvious why I felt the way I felt um But then from there, just placing that foundation of like, okay, this is where I am right now. And that's okay. But let's start laying the bricks one by one to a better place. And yeah, it was a, it was an uphill climb from there, but it was good. (laughs) How, do you know how many, like how long was it since that date where you sat down with yourself and Mm -hmm. answered those three questions? Those three questions I wrote down, I'd say like, a year and a half ago. Oh wow! So it's pretty recent. Yeah, when you when you put it on paper and you cr- name it chronologically, like one point five years ago, it <laughs> sounds super recent. But it literally yeah, feels like but a it lifetime. Feels like a ago. lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like every month that goes by feels like a whole other breakthrough in my personal life and my soul at the moment. So time is almost not a fair measure of things for me right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, based off of our conversation, because I've been feeling the same way too. I would, mm-hmm. I look back in my calendar just to make sure that I haven't, um, that I followed up with the right people, you know, because we've been traveling a bit the past few months. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, that just happened two weeks ago. I felt like exactly. we've been back. Like, I felt like that was two or three months ago. But, and I think, yeah. honestly, I think it's because you've been, you've been caring for yourself and you've been doing the work that's, that's really fulfilling and the stuff that you need. Yeah. It's funny. I was just saying, um, like right now we're in June at the end of May. I was like, what? We are still the month of May. Like the whole first month of May, I was not even in the uh, the first week of May. Sorry. I was not even in the country. So literally my May at home was just three weeks and Mm -hmm. it was the most intense month of the year. It like so much happened. It felt like everything in the past eight, nine months has been leading up to the month of May. Uh, like such big decisions were made, big moves were made, big realizations took place, major big major breakthroughs, breakthroughs. happened. And I'm like, this has just been one month. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes it t- like all these things happen in a moment. It ha- like and it's crazy. Yeah, there will be a lot of things that kind of lead up and your path will be kind of lined up in a certain way. Um, but it's a moment when you make a decision, right? It's a moment exactly. when a breakthrough happens. Um, it might have been years leading up to it, but it's exactly, yeah. happened pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. so 
Um, are you, do you want to share a little bit about that? Like what has happened the month of May, what moves you're talking about and uh, maybe how your perspective has maybe evolved? Yeah. So, um, in, I'd say the major decision that we came to as a family in the month of May, uh, was that we are finally ready to relocate. Mm -hmm. Like we are finally ready to move out of our home city I've yeah. lived here for the past 20 years. My husband was born and raised here. Yeah. And we are ready to just change environments. Like we are ready to just go somewhere that we feel more connected to the environment. We feel more connected to the people. We are ready to just completely have a fresh perspective and to find a place that nourishes our souls a lot more yeah. and to, to build more meaningful connections, to have a to enlarge our business network yeah and to just experience life yeah. elsewhere like just to get outside of our comfort zone to get outside the box like not expecting it to be all rosy and perfect but sometimes you just need a different set of challenges in life yeah and I I totally agree with you and I think it takes you know I, I was skimming through because we've had a lot of conversations and something that is fascinating that always comes up that I've been fascinated also recently talking about is like living a fear-based life. And I know mm. you're incredibly passionate about this. This is like, um, this is what you help people through. Um, mm -hmm. And I know before you started um, on this new journey, um, you struggled with this. So can you talk a little bit about what a fear-based life is and mm. like how did you end up breaking through yeah um oof, okay so it's a lot I know it's a lot yeah <laughs> it's all good but it so, leads up to this I, I think it leads up nicely to your you and your family's decision to relocating right because you know, mm -hmm. Tim, Tim Ferriss has this fantastic exercise where he said instead of goal setting we should be fear setting and this is like taking an outline of mm -hmm. what scares you the fucking most, writing it down, breaking mm -hmm. it up. And you actually notice when you break it down, break it up to its most like minute, small pieces, it's actually not that fucking scary. Like every, we, we tend yeah. to, we tend to freaking like we make these things bigger than they, than they need to be. And we so exactly. quickly talk ourselves out of doing the thing that actually may be the best for us, you know? And so I really, mm -hmm. wanted, I really want you to talk about what a fear-based life is and how you were able to, to work, work with that. Yeah. So I'd say for a long time, I did. that's what triggered a lot of my anxiety for a long time. Like yeah. I'd say it's, I suffered from my anxiety up until two years ago, up until, yeah, up until a little under two years ago. And so because I was always thinking about what I did not want to happen, yeah. And, you know, we, we hear it time and again, where your focus goes, your energy flows. So those things were literally zapping my energy, sucking the life out of my life, sucking mm -hmm. the energy, the life source out of me. And so, for example, like, um, even when, like, as soon as, and I think, for example, a lot of moms can relate to this. As soon as my kids were born, I was overwhelmed with fear, especially with my first. I was just like, oh, my God she's going to grow. What if she grows and she doesn't like me? What if she grows and she, what if she grows and just becomes this like nasty person? What if like she just, or just anything? Like what if she's sleeping and she stops breathing? Like what if she, what if she gets super sick and I don't realize it or just, you know, catastrophizing situations that have not even happened yet. Right, and right. I started realizing, I'm like, okay, what am I freaking out over right now? what what thoughts are causing me to feel this way and a lot of what started breaking that ice for me honestly was just learning just exposing myself to new things so I started reading more about some functional psychology I started reading up more about human behavior I started reading up more about what our thoughts patterns what our thought patterns say about us or what they how they lead us up to where we are in life and when I learned that our emotions are a product of our thoughts and not yeah. the other way around. Yeah. I was like, Oh man. I was like, I've had it all wrong. <laughs> like, okay. So 
if I'm feeling shitty half the time, yeah. it's nobody's fault and it's no situation's fault. Like I have to take ownership of that crap and I have to realize that I've been catastrophizing, overthinking, uh, projecting fear onto all of these situations and that's what made me feel anxious. That's what made me feel overwhelmed. That's what made me feel sad. That's what made me feel nauseated at just basic life situations sometimes. And so I started to work a lot more around reframing my thoughts, but bringing more awareness to my thoughts. And before I just felt like my head was this safe little place where I could just let anything happen there and judge anything, including myself, as -hmm. if there were no repercussions as long as I didn't externalize them. But the reality is that stuff does become externalized through your vibration, through your frequency, through your aura, your energy, whatever you want to call it, through your vibe through the look in your eyes, through the things you say, through those subtle looks that we do catch from other people. And so I realized that uh, I probably wasn't a really pleasant person to be around Um, because just listening to my own self in conversations, I realized that I always jumped to the negative and I always liked complaining. And it was so much easier to complain about things than to find the good in it. Yeah, And I just realized I'm like, okay, I am making no effort to amplify the good in my life. It's almost like it's just easier to be miserable because you, it's easier to relate to people that way because a lot of people do live in that place of misery. So let's just commiserate together. <laughs> wait, wait, you that, before you continue, I'm curious, did you mm-hmm. snap yourself out of it or did someone say, did someone call you out on it? Um, no, it was definitely by myself. Okay. It was definitely so about myself. Your and this the book this huge reading, yeah this huge I'd say breakthrough initially happened like the thing that shattered the thickest layer of ice for me was the first time I traveled without my husband or my kids yeah so uh, two years ago I went to a like wellness culture festival in Jamaica called Tomorrow Today and I was literally just sitting there in front of the ocean by myself and wondering like who the heck am I? What am I doing here? There's no husband to take care of or talk to or relate to around me right now. There are no kids to take care of to like validate my my existence. There are no parents, you know, the ones that brought me up as best as they could projecting their own ideals onto me. There is nobody around me right now. So who am I? What does that mean? What this little speck of 3d existence that I am in the universe right now, what is, what do I represent? Mm -hmm. And so I obviously did not come up with an answer on the spot. And Mm -hmm. obviously my answer is still very much under construction and always will be, but just coming to that realization, just being there, being stripped of all labels that I had basically rooted my identity in was a, was a huge breakthrough moment for me to just start letting go of what I thought was right, what I thought was bad, what I thought was supposed to be, and to just start listening more to to my soul, start listening more to my heart, start trusting my intuition a lot more, and stop just absorbing and slurping up other people's projections or other people's fears or what society tells you is good or bad, such as having walked away from a permanent position and the highest paying position that I could have gotten for my education at the time yeah. with a full pen with a locked in pension for the next 45 years and everything <laughs> and just walking away from that and people being like what are what you doing are you are you doing woman? yeah all of that some of us work for 10 years to get to that position and thankfully like I I worked hard for it but I got it pretty easy mm. And so thankfully I wasn't attached to it because I realized it didn't bring me joy. And I looked at the people who were 20 years ahead of me in that career, for example, or people who were 40 years ahead of me or people who were about to cash out their pension and go retire. And their their life was not appealing to me. Nope. That's not where I wanted to be in 45 years. I'm like, I already, I already feel like I've almost reached that point in terms of my career experience so I'm was really ready to move on Mm -hmm. and I'm and I'm happy that that you had the courage to do so because I'm I'm sure it wasn't easy 
Um, there are a lot of people Definitely that you kind of, even like looking around anywhere, it doesn't matter if you're at work or I love to people watch in cafes or at mm-hmm. the mall. And sometimes I notice like people just in a complete daze, like mm-hmm. not even here. Like if you were to like touch someone, for example, it's like they'll be like shocked out of whatever thoughts they were having. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's really, that's really heartbreaking. Right. Like from that, I think the most, the one thing that I think about is people not realizing their potential. Mm -hmm. That's. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Did you have something to say about that? Yeah. About not realizing their potential. Like I, I had come to a point where I realized like, okay, what is it about me? That's making me miserable, especially at work right now. I was like, why are these people doing it? They've been doing it for 20 years. Is there something wrong with me that I'm feeling burnt out, that I'm feeling exhausted, that I don't want to do this anymore? And so I started looking at like how they operate at work. And like a lot of them had become numb to like the trauma that we see every day. They just like, they were just okay with like seeing these families in horrible situations. They just got really good at uh, being blamed for other people people's problems they just got really good at coping with it but to a point where I felt like they didn't even relate to other or connect to other people's pain whatsoever yeah and so that seemed like another extreme for me I was overly empathic like I was not only empathetic I was empathic like I delved into people's energy fields and just like started drowning with them emotionally I would come home and I felt like I had like the weight of the world on my shoulders after some of the families that I was with like I couldn't sleep sometimes thinking of like the kids that I had worked with the pain I had seen Mm -hmm. in some families earlier that day and so I'm like okay something's got to change either the way I relate to people has to change or the career that I'm in has to change because the two are not working together right now. And then I'm glad I made the choice of realizing like, okay, the way that I relate to people, my deep empathy, my ability to literally feel someone else's emotions and energy in their presence is one of my biggest gifts. So that's mm-hmm. not something I'm willing to sacrifice for a job. Yeah. And so that's, that was literally the, the deciding factor of mm-hmm. do I stay or do I go? Mm-hmm. And so I want to talk about your life now and mm-hmm. the stuff that you've been working on and okay, let's start there, but I'd really love for you to talk about what like leading a purpose-driven life looks like. Mm-hmm. Looks like for you, not looks like in general, but looks like for you. Mhm. Yeah, so there have been like a lot of different drops leading to what I call my purpose right now. Um, and for the longest time, I like shied away from saying it out loud, mm-hmm. but literally Why? I feel like, um, because people scary? don't talk like this, <laughs> the general public doesn't talk the like this. Like, people public. don't go to work. People don't go to work and say like, Hey, w- w- what's your purpose in life? Yeah. What's okay, your fine. vision? Like, yeah. w- what are you dedicated to? What, what legacy are you dedicated to leaving behind? Like people just go to work and like, Hey, working hard, hardly working hard, hard. Like, <laughs> you know, so I know, I, I know. I was not in an environment where conversations like that were nourished, accepted, fostered, or even embraced or allowed. So it took me a while to finally just allow myself to say like, yes, I am fully committed to altering the DNA of the next generation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? How are you going to do that, crazy lady? Well, basically, like, when I was in my social work career, which, like, I don't at all resent my past, my social work career. I don't at all judge my past decisions. Like, I'm so thankful for everything that has brought me to this point, even the extremely painful stages, because I've learned so much at every point. Exactly. And so one of the things that I had the opportunity to learn about when I was in the social work field, especially in learning about intergenerational trauma, was about the study of epigenetics. So basically, this like just go Google it. It's fascinating. Um, there is so much research about how our current life circumstances, our social environment, our decisions, our psychology, the way we lead our lives socially right now, literally come and leave an imprint on our DNA. Yep. And so <laughs> and that is going. 
exactly and it's passed down so that's why intergenerational trauma is real and that's so i'm like if intergenerational trauma is real and so prevalent why don't we create some intergenerational healing why why don't we create some intergenerational empowerment why don't we create some intergenerational confidence why don't we create some intergenerational awakening so that's why i'm literally setting out to work with people who are also purpose driven, even if they're not even sure what that purpose is right now, but they're feeling called to something bigger. Yes. And especially women of color who I believe are, and not just I believe, I know are very underrepresented, underrepresented in key leadership roles around the world. Yeah. So I literally want to work with these women to help them master their own social, psychological, emotional, and mental identities so that they can show up the most powerfully, the most confidently in every sphere of their life and create those waves in the world. I love that. I love that. And so, uh, yeah, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you answered, I asked about the work that you're, you're doing now and what a purpose-driven life looks like for Duha. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the way that translate in, translates into plain English right now is that basically <laughs> I'm a coach. Yeah. So basically right now I coach women for the time being one-on-one on their own personal development, now especially rooted in emotional intelligence because your EQ, your emotional quotient, is so much more important than your IQ. And so many women work so hard to boost up their IQ, I like basically in the form of their credentials, their education, the amount of letters that come after their last name, uh, the length of their resume, the years of experience. So many of us are working on like this concrete, tangible, these hard skills where our greatest strengths naturally as women for due to like literally the functioning of our brain is our emotional intelligence. And that is literally what is more important in the world because we all know that you won't remember what somebody said, but you'll remember how they made you feel. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying that like, Hey girls, ditch the IQ. No, no, no. I know we're all already overcompensating in that field, but I'm saying let's work with the strengths that we have because reality is we need to work our strengths more than we work our weaknesses. So many of us are so good at talking about like, what I'm not great at and what I need to work on. But it's like, no, no, no. What are you amazing at? And let's 10x that. Let's 100x that and take it, like blow it out of the water so that everybody's going to know you for the amazing things that you are. And that's that won't be ignored. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there's so much um, intentionality around this and, I, I honestly believe that like all of our ideas are planted in us for a reason, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to our purpose. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes I find myself not even being able to go to sleep because these things are like constantly going in my head and it's exciting from, from one aspect, but it also like requires a lot of, um, how do I say a lot of self care too. Right. And yeah actually taking that time and I'm not talking about like these bubble baths and all this stuff that people like to attribute to self-care but actually like taking time to figure out what I need so kind of that exercise that you did around your mind body and heart and what Mm -hmm. and what you know what your mind needed what your body needed what your heart needed and Mm -hmm. being really um, intentional about how you take care of yourself just like the way you take care of other people right and yeah um especially people that you love yeah and so yeah yeah and for me like what totally catalyzed my personal growth my own self-care my own relationship to myself and to the world and to business and everything was having a coach and like I know we were talking about this before we got on the call yes literally watching the basketball game last night and seeing these star NBA players like they could easily be like we're already the best in the game. We don't need somebody to tell us how to play. But the reality is like a coach is the one that can objectively look at your strengths from the outside and pro- help you project a vision and help you strategize like, okay, how can you be smart about all the strengths that you have to have the biggest impact? And so 
that's literally what my coaches were able to help me do. And that's literally what I come do with my clients as well, because we can have amazing strengths, but then sometimes our strengths can almost come work against us if mm-hmm. we're not using them in a smart way, if we're not using them strategically. Mm-hmm. If you're not chall- like channeling your, your power into a yeah, strategic way, I believe that. Yeah. Well, when it comes to like leading a purpose-driven life and mm-hmm. you know it's not even about being fearless like and maybe we can go back and forth because I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this um mm-hmm. I don't think that we can kind of just like lead lives without any fear but being able to identify what they are and kind of like work with yourself to try to minimize them or plan for them or um you know, mm-hmm. sometimes even like not friggin' overthinking it, right? <laughs> um, but around, mm-hmm. I'd really love to talk about risk taking and mm-hmm. um, kind of like when you look, when you look at your past, what are some risks that you found have really worked out for you and maybe some that um, didn't work out too great and what you learned from both? A major risk that I took a couple of years ago was leaving, leaving your job comfortable in terms of like, financially comfortable and uh, long-term in terms of my long-term retirement plan and comfortable but uh, like so currently as I mentioned we decided to relocate and we were thinking about like okay what what places have we visited that literally lit a fire in our soul in the best of ways like just lit up our passion just made us feel more alive than ever and for us that was in Miami Mm-hmm. So when we, when my husband and I visited Miami a few months ago, we were, we were just talking. Oh, how wait, was that the this? first how? time that you visited? Is this year? That was literally, yeah, I've only been no to Miami. <laughs> wow. Yep. Okay. Before that, I had actually never visited Florida, mm-hmm. and so um, we fell in love. Like just the energy there, we just felt so in sync with it we felt like we could relate so much to the people there and people are just like they're just honest there like people don't like you they're not gonna waste their time on you and i'm the (laughs) type of person i'm like if you don't like me you don't need to be polite like just cool okay bye i will not waste my time on you don't be fake like just be real yeah you know and And you know maybe that's something that a lot of people other than canadians know that about canadians because when i went elsewhere like even to atlanta for example i was like people think canadians are nice like but this is a different Mm. type like people speak from their heart exactly here nobody looks at each other Mm. do huh i'm just talking about ottawa specifically um Mm. but yeah continue please Yeah, no, I can totally relate to what you're saying. People are like, oh, Canadians are so nice. I'm like, Canadians are just really good at being polite. And there's a difference between like being an amazing person. I'm not saying at all that Canadians are not great people. But I think that like this whole notion of like even raising our kids to like not disturb the peace, be super polite, never speak out of line, never question the status quo, always be the good one, always be the peacemaker, never rock the boat that doesn't come and serve our children when it comes to them exploring their own abilities. And that doesn't come serve us as adults. And especially for women, like especially young girls are overly rewarded for their good behavior. Whereas young boys are overly forgiven for their mischievous behavior. So that really comes, and there are literally studies to prove this, why women take less risks when it comes to their careers, when it comes to their finances, when it comes to their relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's why we still end up underrepresented underrepresented in most uh, political spheres, in the corporate world, in the business world. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so just relating to taking risk when we are raised to just be so polite and never rock the boat, um, it makes us fear risk. It makes us feel like the risk in itself is a problem. Yeah. And really every day that we wake up and leave our house is a risk. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like I heard this interesting stat once, which is like the probability of something going wrong that would like lead to a death in an airport is higher than in the airplane. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many people are afraid of flying? <laughs> right. Like how many of us is like our heart beating out of our chest and we're so scared when we're flying when like there are so many safety measures when it comes to airplanes that it is less likely that a plane that something dangerous will happen to you in a plane than crossing the street or driving in a car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's just been, it's just been so empowering to just demystify our fears and just demystify what risk taking means mm -hmm. and just like, okay, what is the worst case scenario? Yeah. Acknowledging it, but not living in that space for more than like five seconds. Mm -hmm. Like just acknowledging it for the sake of demystifying it. Yeah, for like the sake of happen. not giving it more power than it deserves. Yeah. 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 Like for example, when we decided like, okay, you know what? We're going to make this happen. We're going to move out of our home city. We're going to explore something completely different. Right. Of course, the list of things that can go wrong is so long, <laughs> but we are not looking to live on that list. We are we prefer like we chose instead to live in the list of, of the best case scenarios yeah. Like yeah. best case scenario i'm gonna build the most amazing connections ever there and my business is going to explode in the next in the next six months best case scenario we are going to find the most beautiful apartment by the water with the best schools for our kids the most amazing amenities and we are going to have the most amazing lifestyle as a family best case scenario we make so much money that we can fly <laughs> or that we can fly any family member in when we miss them even if it's for the weekend for the week for the month like right. we can just best case scenario we are making mad usd currency that we can just spoil <laughs> our parents spoil yeah our parents in canada like yeah why don't we live in the in this why don't we live in the realm of best case scenarios like when you talk about best case scenarios people just look at you like you're crazy like you're just mm -hmm. dreaming well you know what we're also crazy and dreaming and being delusional about the worst case scenarios because right. they haven't happened yet so why do they deserve any more attention than the best case scenarios that's a good fucking question, Duha. <laughs> and I, that's, that's the premise of fear setting, right? The first aspect mm -hmm. is to look at the worst case scenario. Just mm -hmm. write down 15 to 20 things that could happen, but also mm -hmm. 15 to 20 things of what you can do to prevent that from happening. But then, mm -hmm. like on the second page, you kind of look at, if I even try this and I reach even like partial success, what are the benefits that I could reap? And you mm -hmm. find like oftentimes, well, in most cases, you actually lose more by not doing anything, by sticking to the status quo. And the cost yeah. of inaction is actually so much fucking higher than the mm -hmm. cost of, of actually doing something about it and maybe failing, but you know, more, more likely than not actually doing something really fucking great. And mm -hmm. I think the unknown is what scares people, right? That's exactly it. You can if the you unknown. can find yeah. If you can find excitement in that, damn, mm -hmm. like the world is your oyster. The mm. world is your oyster if you can find excitement and and actually see that for yourself. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I hear you. And I think a lot of people are afraid of dreaming or afraid of like casting this best case scenario type of thinking because that takes a lot of betting on yourself. Yeah. Because you're your only and biggest and best resource when you're jumping in with both feet is you is your own self yeah you know so we are literally like moving countries completely moving environments on the premise of we are going to make this work mm -hmm. you know and that's scary for a lot of people and i know at many stages most stages of my life or probably all stages of my life until <laughs> a while ago yeah. I would not have gone into this decision because I wouldn't have had enough belief in myself sure. and so it's a lot easier for for a lot of people and most of us as humans to just lean on external comforts yeah like okay external comforts such as I've I grew up in the city so I'm familiar with it yeah. my family lives in the city so I'm surrounded and supported I, I know routine. the language, I know the yeah. culture, I know the city, I know the way of functioning, I know my way around. If I lose my job, at least I have connections here. Like it's but that's all external those are all external factors. And mm -hmm. I'm just done putting my eggs in other people's baskets. Oh I love that. Just, oh, I love that visual. Okay. 
it's just like I'm just ready to fully bet on myself. Like my first coach that I hired, yeah, I he told me his price. I yeah, okay, I'm just gonna talk about it. Why are we scared to talk about numbers? My first <laughs> coach, his price tag was I think like fifty five hundred or six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Okay. And I knew so badly that like I needed exactly what he could help me access, which is just like getting super intentional about my own personal habits so that I can develop the right discipline to build my business because I had been like scrambling around by myself for months and months and months with zero results and nothing to show for it other than exhaustion and like self-resentment. So I was just like, you know what? Like I'm going to do this. Like, and it was How long did it take for you to decide and actually go for that? From the moment Um, you found out he existed to when you joined him? 24 hours. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Literally. Like he, he, well, he, he also did have a whole like um, you know if you decide within the next 24 hours this is my price my price goes up after that and I knew that that's like you know that's a whole uh, creating urgency it's more yeah. effective for selling like obviously I could see that but I also held myself accountable to that I was like if I can't even decide to spend on myself and invest in myself this is not spending I'm not going to buy a $5,000 car that's going to start depreciating the next day I am investing in myself. I am asking myself to show up. I am asking myself, like, you better level the hell up, woman, because you just spent six grand on this coach. You better damn well be worth it. It was a really scary place to be that, like, okay, I just took out that money in loans. I did not have that cash sitting in the bank. Um, It was money that we were actually supposed to use for renovations for our house. And thankfully, like, my husband was on board, too. He was just like, you know what? Like, let's just do it. Like, you're worth it. And that was even mm-hmm. scarier, the fact that he believed in me. I was like, oh, shit, now you're expecting me to succeed too? Okay, <laughs> I better make this work. Oh, Duha. I, I, I appreciate how, like, completely honest you're being right now for this interview. Because um, I it's think my pleasure. that's, like, where all of the kind of values derived instead of, like, mm. no, this is kind of what I was feeling, but not like actually going there with me so thank you for that i really appreciate it Mm. Um, thank you for seeing that and acknowledging that (laughs) because it's it's literally one of my one of my driving forces Mm -hmm. that like i'm just i'm just i don't just want to be another inspirational woo-woo person and just like pump out a bunch of inspiring quotes i sorry i used that word (laughs) woo-woo i don't just want to be like wishy-washy inspiring make people feel great in the moment but they're like but now what Mm -hmm. now i feel lost now i like i know i don't believe in myself i feel so freaking opposite of confident right now like how the hell am i supposed to achieve that that person had this privilege that person had this well you know what we could all sit around and cry about what we don't have like, did I have money to hire a coach? Nope. Did I have, like, past business success to be like, you know what, I've done this before. Nope. I was completely jumping into unforged territory. Like, it is scary. And it is hard. And it is challenging. But you just have to find the challenges that are worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's literally the only difference between being challenged and feeling like crap at the end of the day and then being challenged and feeling inspired and energized at the end of the day yeah yeah and that's it's funny um I want to share this and then I want to ask you a question then we'll dive into the Mm -hmm. like the final questions um Okay, so there's this, so we, okay, so I've been doing a lot of research on, like, key people. So, like, now when I go to conferences or events, and I know speakers that are going to be there, I will do my research on what they're working on, um, the value that they've actually provided in my life, and, like, being able to communicate that to them if I ever meet them, or when I meet them. And that Mm -hmm. has worked wonders, because I've noticed that um, all of these people, so, for example, this retreat in Atlanta, 2,500 people of color. Let me tell you something about being like, I walked into spaces where I was like, I'm not the only one. Like it was just rooms Mm. full of like black people, brown people all doing their fucking thing. 
and to be surrounded mm. by all of that was so inspiring. But what I noticed on these panels mm. amongst these speakers is that Duha, they all knew each other. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Mm. And they were talking about like when they were grinding and when they were hustling and when they were getting work done, you know, in the early stages. And I was like, wait, you guys didn't all meet each other once you made it? Like once you were at the top of your game? No, they knew each other for years and some of them even like over 10 years. And I'm like, that's really fascinating because if you kind of look at it in a, like in a pyramid fashion, you know, you have your group of friends or your mm -hmm. peers as you would call it. And mm -hmm. you guys are all working on whatever you're working on, but are trying to realize this vision that you've set yourself for the next few decades. And mm -hmm. as that goes along, as time goes along, um, people start to dwindle. Maybe they don't believe in themselves and maybe their thing is not working. But the very few people who actually make it long term, they all started together. They all were Amazing. at the beginning stages and kind of were working with each other, were collaborating. And I thought that was so beautiful. They didn't meet while they were at the top. They worked together and they were the few that actually um, prospered. And I think one of the major keys to actually getting to that space um, and kind of like walking in your own truth is, is, is working towards the right thing. Like if you don't believe in you or what your vision is, or if you don't see it, you're going to quit. You're going to mm -hmm. quit because the pain and all the suffering and all these late nights are not going to be worth it. Right. So when you say mm -hmm. like you're 100% committed to your mission, I believe it. Cause I, I see you in action every day, mm -hmm. you know? So thank you so much. Keep walking in your Keep. I appreciate that. Thank you, Naomi. Oh, I'm sending you a big virtual hug right now. <laughs> I feel it, and I'm sending you one. Back. <laughs> um, does your why scare you? Does your vision mm. scare you? Um, sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Uh, like there are some days where I'm just like so exhausted that I am like, what if I just went back to being a normal person? Would the world be, would the world be okay? And you know what? Like, reality is the world would be okay if I went back to being just whatever, just the way I started out leading my life and just uh, stayed in my little bubble. Like, I don't know if you read the book by Mark Manson, um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yes. Uh, and so that book just like helped make my mission just so real that it's like this is my mission because i have chosen for this to be my mission mm -hmm. you know like yes i believe that every single one of us has a calling but i have chosen to embrace that calling and make it my own i could have very well just chosen to be like um eh, yeah it sounds like a really nice idea maybe one day i'll start a blog or something or you know whatever <laughs> i'm just gonna keep doing what i do yeah. but the reality is like I, as much as I believe that I am here to alter the DNA of the next generation, I know that if I don't do it, the next generation will continue to exist anyway, right. you know? And so it, it, sometimes it helps to just be super real with myself that it's like, okay, you don't want to get up and change the world and don't mm -hmm. like, would you feel better about that? Would you mm -hmm. sleep better? Like I, sometimes I literally have to like, just give myself that tough love and just be like, would you like, you know what? Your energy is zapped today. You're probably just hangry. The kids probably haven't let you sleep for the past three, four nights. Get a good night's sleep and just pick up again tomorrow. So it's that balance of like tough love of like, yeah, okay, like be all whiny about it now as if you're going to feel any better if you give up on your why. And like, okay, that's enough for today. Just go get a good night's sleep and let's reconvene tomorrow. And then it's just a, it's just a dance. You got to dance with yourself sometimes between being super real and giving yourself a kick in the butt and then just giving yourself space to sometimes sometimes to just not totally throw in the towel but just rest and yeah, rest your energy yep i like that word rest yep because sometimes like sam always says this she's like you know you it's not gonna work if you're not working <laughs> and that's quite it's she mm, says it with exactly. the, she, says, she says it with a laugh but i know it comes uh <laughs> a place where she's seen me go through stuff and mm -hmm. it'll be that like lighthearted thing. But like, are you listening? Like, are you hearing me? I care for you. 100%. Um, 
So that's amazing. I love Sam. Sam, we love you. Sam. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll know if she doesn't, if she doesn't um, hear this, hear this mini shout out. Yeah. Sam, if you're not DMing me saying I love you too, I know you didn't listen to our podcast. I'm <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, I love that we can just sit down and do this. And, you know, that's one of the main reasons I started this podcast mm-hmm. was to share stories of incredible humans, right? Because at the end of the day, we're all humans. We're not like these. Mm. Um, and that if you have the power to realize your potential and start to go on this journey, um, you know, other people can see themselves in you. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's the beauty of what you mentioned earlier of being 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 able to empathize with people and being empathic. So um, Mm -hmm. to kind of wrap up the interview, can you talk about, you mentioned a few books, but is there Mm -hmm. a a resource um, that has really been pivotal on this journey for you? It can be a book, a podcast, or even your coach. Yeah. Do you think it was your coach? Um, I say what started the journey for me, of course, my coaches, like I will forever be rooting for them and, I definitely know that they were a huge catalyst to my growth. Mm -hmm. Um, But one book that really changed a lot of things for me is called The Confidence Code. Yeah. And it's by um, Claire Shipman and Katty Kay. And so they basically do like, they basically um, go through a whole bunch of social and scientific studies that explain the confidence gap between men and women. How, why, when a woman is applying for a job, she won't apply for a position unless she feels she has 100% of the qualifications, but men will usually apply for a job if they feel they've got like about 60% of the qualifications and they usually end up getting it. (laughs) And so just that book was just such an eye opener to like, wow, the biggest thing holding us back is our own selves. The biggest thing holding me back is my own self. Like there's no there isn't like a biological determinism that makes us hardwired to be less confident than men. That stuff, even if there is, those are just genetic alterations based on the way that our ancestors have been. So we literally are the doorway between the way we've operated in the past and the way we want the world to look. Mm -hmm. So that's when I just woke up to like, okay, woman, like you just like pick yourself up, like stop waiting for somebody to give you the permission. You want to feel more confident, go start being more confident because confidence is a practice. It's not a personality trait. That's when I realized like, oh, okay, I'm not just, I'm not just one of those unconfident people. I have chosen to not be confident because I haven't done enough things to push myself out of my comfort zone. Right. And so anyways, that's a long answer to your your question of a book, but about a book, but that's definitely one that I recommend. For everybody to open my eyes as a mom of two girls it opened my eyes as a person opened my eyes as an entrepreneur as a wife as just a human being to mm-hmm. just wake up to my own power the last final question is and you've touched on this a lot and that's when i know that people are so freaking in tune with it right mm-hmm. in tune with their why is that it's literally like threaded in all of their responses mm-hmm. um but it's you know, what's your why? What do you strongly believe that you were meant to do during your time here, Dua? I honestly feel like I'm, I was born to be a catalyst for change, but in the sense of empowering those that are in key positions for change. I know that, like, it's kind of like the pay it forward movement. I literally feel like, okay, when I'm working with like one black woman in politics she's going to go and impact so many lives after that and I know that I had a role to play in that because I helped her get to her best and I helped her believe in herself and I helped her grow the confidence and the guts that she needed to compete in a male white dominant political sphere for example if I'm working if I'm coaching an, an aboriginal woman who's starting her own business with everything she's got in society placed working against her. Like we can't just sit around and wait for society to create the perfect space for us. The space is created by those trailblazers that forge ahead 
and demand that space and occupy that space. And yeah. so I'm literally, I literally see myself as the catalyst to those people stepping up to those levels because it is not meant for any one person or one woman or one race or one ethnicity or one human to do it alone. Yeah. We all need to support each other. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for Thank you, um, Naomi. You're amazing. <laughs> You're amazing. And I I hope that everyone who, you know, took the time to listen really um, is able to take, you know, at least one thing from this conversation and not just take it and sit down and mull over it, although that's important, but actually figure out ways that you could use it in your own life, right? Mm-hmm. So let it, let it settle um, and figure out how you can take it and make it yours and apply it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. For, yes. Thank you, Naomi. I just want no, to you were going to say something. Like you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and like for anybody listening to this, like let's literally keep this conversation going. Like I'm literally just inviting any person that listens to this to yeah. just reach out to me and let's literally talk about this. Yes. Because and I was, usually the first step like let's not hide in our corners Mm -hmm. and mull over the change that we want to make in the world let's verbalize it let's put it out there and I'm so inspired to hear what every person has gotten out of this and what thoughts and what actions this leads to so thank you so much Naomi for bringing your gifts to the world for creating this platform and for having me I'm I'm humbled to be here I love you. My absolute pleasure. And I love you too, Duha. Um, so yes, let's take this conversation forward. Where, where's the best place for people to connect with you? Um, and if people are interested to learn more about your story, how can they get in touch? Uh, Instagram, plain and simple. Um, my, yeah, my handle is at uh, Duha.withinsight. Duha is D-H-O-U-H-A dot with insight all together. And all the links will be shared wherever this is shared. So yes, you can find it in the show notes. Awesome. Or stalk Naomi. She usually knows where to <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So yeah, you heard it from Duha herself. Keep the conversation going. Reach out to her if you have any other questions. And have a great night. Hey there. It's Naomi again. How did you find the episode? I'm very curious because these are all women that have impacted me in a very specific way. And to share their stories is the ultimate privilege. So make sure to subscribe to the Power of Why podcast if you haven't already and leave a review down below. Can't wait to hear your thoughts.